Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. And welcome back to Daybreak Devotions, brought to you by the McLeansville Baptist Church. I'm your host today, Pastor Corey Cantrell, and I'm going to be introducing the broadcast today because we're going to play the second half of the message from this past Sunday night that Pastor Mike and I introduced on yesterday's broadcast, and we just ran out of time, weren't able to get it all in on one, but want to make sure that we get the second half of this, of experiencing the virtue of Christ amongst the vexation of the crowd. And there is so much help that comes from that thought. So much hope is is a word that is great to use, especially in this time of year. The hope that even in the midst of, of all the oppression, all that is going on, that there is virtue to be found in Jesus, that we can receive it from him in the midst of it, and then we can be used as conduits of that virtue to pour out onto others as well. And so we want to make sure that we have plenty of time to get the entirety of things uh, this morning, and we hope that this will continue to be a blessing to you. So without further ado, let's turn our attention back to Sunday night's message. Because we experience the virtue of Christ among the crowd of the vexed. Now the amazing thing about that is, yesterday morning, we were in Luke 6 for our teen devotion. Having no plan for that and no idea about it, but God knew all along. And I tell you, we couldn't have been more helped than we were. We were able, to whatever degree our souls were open to it, we were able to experience an entirely new level of that promised peace and that sustaining grace and that ministry of mercy that comes to those who are learning to abide in Christ. I told Brother Corey on the airplane this morning flying back a few years ago, however long, maybe last year, I wouldn't have handled it like I did. And I don't know, maybe, maybe two years ago, three years ago, I wouldn't have handled it like I did. And, and I, I, well, can I tell him, can I say what I said? Did he, did he tell you already what I said? I actually started that conversation by leaning over and saying, you know what, I think a couple of years ago, Miss Charity wouldn't have handled that as well as she did. But you know what comes from learning how to abide in Christ? You learn how to have that peace which passeth all understanding in the most chaotic and normally disturbing situations when everybody around you is angry, scared, panicked, and your mentality is, well, that was another step. That was another step. Oh, two, you know. Wonder what happened to Corey and Charity and Tammy and, uh, you know, I could see Will and Christian because they're like, Saul, they're head and shoulders above everybody. But they were plumb across the street. Funny story, I can't tell everything, but funny story, they were leading the way because they were the tallest. Well, about, you know, 20 minutes into this thing, the rest of us are getting cussed out and, and Christian and Will have disappeared. They crossed the barrier into the street, got among the protesters, and went on over to the other side where there was a subway station. So that would have been exciting. I said, boy, it would have been funny if you two had got caught up in that protest marching down the street. You know, hey, yeah, yeah, we're against it. We don't know what, but we're against it. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? So I'm going to do this quickly. I know I'm out of time. I'm going to give you the devotion I gave the team Saturday morning out of Luke chapter 6. 
And it won't take me long, I promise. Let me give it to you quickly. But I want to tell you something. What we experienced made that word from God a reality in our lives that we will never forget in a situation that we never would have chosen had we known it. We don't care to go back if it's our choice, but we would gladly do it again if God willed us to be there. And so look at Luke chapter 6, the virtue of Christ for the vexed crowd of the world. Those two words, vexed and virtue. Now the word vexed is a word which means to be, get this, team, do you remember? The word vexed, we're talking, this is Saturday morning. We got no idea. The word vexed literally means to be stirred up and mobbed by a crowd. Do you think, can I just stop right there and ask you a question? You can say, boy, ain't that a coincidence? I'm going to tell you something. God knew exactly what he was doing. I don't know that that, that, that wasn't the team from McLeansville Baptist Church that got the most help from this mission trip, more than anybody else. It means to be stirred up, mobbed by a crowd, and at that, a crowd of unclean spirits. They were vexed by unclean spirits. They were literally people who were disturbed and molested and confused by the demonic influences around them and in them. And by the way, that is a real possibility for everyone. For all the stuff we don't know about demons and evil spirits, we do know this. The Bible makes it clear that they can possess souls and they can oppress souls. And we, we may not believe that a demon can take possession of a believer because the Spirit of God has possession of a believer. But I'll tell you what a demon can do. He can haggle and hassle and irritate and aggravate and get all over you. And normally it's not just one. And they can do that. And so we all have to deal with the reality of those unclean spirits that will vex our souls. It's not just the homeless. I said it before we left the house yesterday morning. I said, take notice today of the anger and the insecurity and the deranged thinking and speaking and the hostility of the crowd. And then, lo and behold, those were prophetic words we got in the middle of it. Now, you see it and hear it all day long. But when you're in the middle of it, with everybody pressing against you from all sides and sides you didn't even know you had, and they're using every word in the book, and uh, anger is rising, and there are many moments where you think it's about to happen. The stampede's about to happen. I saw one lady go down. I was almost out of the crowd by then, but I saw one lady go down. But I will say this, and I, wanted, I said it to the team, and I wanted to commend the people around her. There was three or four people that immediately reached down and pulled her up. I mean, in like a couple of seconds. Why? Because they knew. Once it starts, it's done, right? It could have happened any time. Man, just stop and think about that. I, I, I don't know that I've let that settle in my heart. It could have happened any time. And God was with us. Not only was God with us, but team, I'm convinced God was working through us. I don't have time to tell the stories, but I know that everybody in here has them, but people that are angry and cursing and, and blaming and yelling, and you look at them and you just smile. And you say to someone that's suffering that, you know what, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Not the cursor, right? But you, you pray for them. You, you offer them. Hey, would you like to go ahead? You know? I mean, think about that. The, the, the offer, the cursor, and the, the accuser, why don't you go ahead and 
get in front of me, you know? <laughs> and, and see their reaction. See their reaction, and I'll tell you, you'll learn really quick. Number one, that's not human nature to do that. And secondly, look at how things begin to ratchet down. We make a difference, child of God, when we're in the middle of that mess and we let Jesus live through us. We don't know what was spared by being there and just letting him work. But anyway, um, we, we saw it. What did those people need in Jesus' time? What do they need today? They needed the virtue. That word is dunamis. We see the word as it's spelled out, D-Y-N-A-M. We know dynamite. We think about that, but that's where that word dynamite comes from. It's the power of God. It's strength. It's ability. Strength and ability for what? Well, we have to consider what the people need. It's strength to love when they feel hate. It's the ability to see what they have been blinded from seeing. It's the power to believe in a hope when their whole life feels and looks like wreckage. You see, that's the power. That's the virtue. That's what the life of Jesus brings to every one of us. That's how we got saved. Because Jesus came and virtue came out of him and we could see what we never saw before and we could hope for what we could never have hoped for before. And that is the same thing we do today when we let the virtue of Jesus flow through us and to other people. They all need the virtue that comes from Christ. Think about your family at Christmas. Think about your workplace as the year end draws down to a close and people are anxious to get out of there but they got to get stuff done and tension rises, right? Think about it when you have to go out and venture into the stores over this next few weeks. And all you want is a, is a, a honey ham, but you can't find one. And everybody's upset, right? You got to remember this. What sort of strength or power is this? It's the inherent strength. It's an inherent strength, meaning that it comes from our nature. And I mean in quotations because it's not our human nature, but it's our renewed nature. It is from partaking of the divine nature that Peter writes about in 2 Peter 1. That's where it comes from, but it's an inherent strength. Let me tell you something. It's already in you. It's already in you. It was placed in you when you got Christ and you got the Spirit of God. You got the power to do this. It's already there. But a lot of times we just don't tap into it because we don't believe it's there or we don't feel it's there or maybe just nobody's told us, hey, it's there. You have it in you. It's not only an inherent strength, but it's miraculous strength. Don't underestimate what this power can do through you. It can, it can happen. It can change people's lives. It's also moral strength. It's power to choose the right thing the right way. Even when, even when everyone else is going the wrong way, this is the power that we're talking about. Virtue is force, and we are, if we are with Christ, a force for good and a force for the kingdom. But secondly, when I think about what sort of strength or power it is, I notice that in the Gospels this word uh, dunamis is often translated as mighty works. Jesus did mighty works or couldn't do mighty works because of the unbelief, and so I ask the question, well, what is a what makes a work a mighty work? What makes a work a mighty work? Because this is the power that, that, that came into those people that healed them. That they were vexed, but this was the virtue that conquered that vexation. It does it in our own soul, and through us, it happens in the people around us. So how does it work? What is a mighty work? As opposed to just a, a work. 
Because we can do a lot of works, but we're called on and Jesus equips us to do mighty works. So I look back on how it was spoken of in Luke up to Luke chapter 6. And it's three times you'll find it, twice in Luke 4 and once in Luke 5. And I noticed three things about it. I can't expound on it for sake of time. But number one, it's a mighty work when the Spirit of God is on it. That makes it a mighty work. Luke 4, 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He had the dunamis of the Spirit on his life. So it's a mighty work when the Spirit is on it. Now anything we do that doesn't have the Spirit of God on it is not a mighty work. It's just a work. But when we have the Spirit of God on it, it's a mighty work. Now I'm already thinking, even though I know where I'm going, well, well then what is up? What is the work? What's the work? What's the work we can do then? Well, we're going to see. But before we get there, to know that it's a mighty work, you've got to have the Spirit of God on it. Number two, you've got to have the authority of God with it. Because Luke chapter 4 and verse 36, they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. You've got to have the authority of God with it. That makes it a mighty work. So what we do, we don't do in our own name. We do it in his name. We do it on the authority that he grants to us. So never go by yourself into the middle of a mess because you'll be like those people that, uh, those priests that said, uh, the demon said to them, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but we ain't got any idea who you are. And they ran home with their tail tucked between their legs and that happens to us. You know, we try to wade into a family situation. I, 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 I think I can help it. But if we don't have the Spirit of God in it and authority of God on it, we better watch out because we may run out of that thing defeated and beat, beat up. But thirdly, it's got to have the presence of God in it. So the Spirit of God on it, the authority of God with it, the presence of God in it. Luke 5, 17, it came to pass in a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of God was present. You've got to have the presence of God in it for it to be a mighty work. Okay, so now we've qualified what this mighty work, this virtue is. Now, the third thing is I want to talk about the pathway to power. And I'm going to say this quickly. All right, so look at Luke 6 again, verse 19. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went out virtue out of him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Now we come back to that text. We understand something about what virtue is, what makes a work a mighty work or a virtuous work, and now we have to consider the pathway to that virtue. Then how do I get that on my life? Because we don't just have it because we want it. And that's what Jesus makes clear. Verse 20 says that he lifted up his eyes to his disciples. There's a multitude of people, but he speaks directly to his disciples, and he's teaching them something about how to have that virtue in their life. And what does he say? He gives us four things. If you notice those verses, those four things that he mentions... They are the foundation of all of this. And it is the emptying of the self-life in order to have more of God's life in us. 
Because look at what he says. Jesus says, you're blessed if you're poor. You're blessed if you're hungry. You're blessed if you are sorrowful. You're blessed if you are despised or hated. Now again, on the surface, none of that makes any sense. Who would consider themselves blessed to be poor or blessed to be hated or blessed to be sorrowful? But Jesus says, this is the pathway to virtue. Think about who Jesus was. Was he poor? Was he uh, hungry? Was he despised? Was he sorrowful? If you take the meaning of those words, you can look at Jesus' life and see that he was every one of those things. In what way? Well, because the opposite is the woe. Now, that's in the next verses. You can see it there. But it's the opposite that we have to be concerned about. Because to be poor is the opposite of what? To be powerful. Now, think about it with me a moment. Money means power. We equate money to power. Having money means I can do things. I can buy things. I can go places. I can make things happen. And there's a tendency with money to believe I've got this. I have it. I can make this happen. Christmas will be great this year because we've saved all year. We've got money. If all you've got is money, you've got nothing. Because to be poor is to realize that I don't have anything. Even if I do have money, i got nothing if I don't have God's power in my life. That's what being poor is talking about. He's talking about the understanding that I have nothing without God. And so don't trust in the power of your life. To be hungry, the opposite of that is to be plentiful. To be plentiful. We have plenty, and, and we like to have plenty, and we need to think about, we don't like to think about rather our, our lacks or our wants because we just want to know, I got it. I got food, I got clothes, I got all the things I need. But being filled with gratuitous self-satisfaction blocks us from being filled with God. And so the opposite of being hungry would be plentiful. But when I'm plentiful, I don't think about my need of God. I've got everything I need, right? But to be hungry is to say that I realize that I don't have everything I need. There's, there's parts of me that hunger in ways only God can satisfy. And I will always be hungry in that way unless I learn to let God fill my life. To be sorrowful, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of sorrowful is pleasurable. The pleasures that we most often pursue are the entertainments and amusements that pull us away from real life with God. God is calling us to live. But escapism is very often the way people try to live today. Avoidance. Ignore it and it will go away, but it never does. So be sorrowful. Embrace the reality of the life you live in because that is where you will meet the virtue of Christ in the middle of the mob. And then the opposite of being despised. We don't want to be despised. I don't want to be hated. But the opposite of it is to be prideful. The opposite of it is to be thought well of. We don't want anybody to know the underside, right? What's really going on under there. We don't want people to know that. To see our wrinkles. To know our weaknesses. But pride is a power killer. Just embrace it. I mean, I tell you, I told the team the other day, I'm looking in the mirror these days, and I'm looking more and more like worn leather. But you know what thing about worn leather? That's some good stuff, right? looks good, don't it? We don't think so when we see it on our face, 
But again, remember, it's earthen vessels. It's the treasure on the inside. So, it's our self-reliance that cuts the power supply to virtuous, mighty works. Now, here's the last thing I'm going to say. How does that virtue then come out of us? Now, verse 27 through 31 tells us. Notice this list of truly virtuous and mighty works. And note how true to God's nature they are and how unfamiliar to human nature they are. Verse 27, But I say unto you which hear, Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Love and do good to the opposition. Now that right there is a pretty tall order. When you know somebody's against you, the last thing you want to do is be for them, right? But Jesus says, love and do good to the opposition. Bless the cursor. We had a lot of opportunity for that in the last couple of days, haven't we? I, I say one, let me say one more thing I noticed. I told them when we got back, I said, you know, that was, I never heard so much mouthing in all my life that didn't lead to somebody getting punched. People up there talk. Man, they go, go. They and Some of y'all are from that way. I'm sorry, but it's true. I said, man, if that had happened down south, somebody got hit a long time ago. Not me, though. I'm getting out of there. Why? Because Jesus says, pray for the abuser and submit to the smiter. <laughs> Get out of there. But that's what he says. Pray for the abuser. Submit to the smiter. Give to the taker. Do as you would have done to you without a need for reprisal, whether they appreciate it or not. That is the, so when we say, what does it mean to do a mighty work for God? We always think, we get in our head, the apostles would, would lay hands and cripples would get up and walk. And, and, and we think about all these great miracles we read about in the Bible and we say, if only we could do that. But you know what I've come to really believe, and I believe I'm coming to experience it in more real and deeper ways. There is something to going up to someone that God has given you compassion for and connected you with and putting a hand on them and looking them in the eye and saying something like, you know it's going to be okay. Do you know that your heart matters to God? He has not forgotten you. All the while, watch this, all the while you look in their eyes and you know that on the surface they're not getting a thing you're saying. Or maybe they're thinking, yeah, I've heard all that before. But as you speak that from a, from a deep place where Jesus is at work in you, you watch the transformation of their face. You watch the settledness that comes over them. And suddenly they're looking at you and it's like the eyes have changed. They may not get it in that moment but there's a soul inside there that God is speaking to. And I think that there is very much a real way in which we can lay hands on people and see them healed. But we have to believe in that virtue, that virtue. When you bless a cursor, when you, when you submit to the smiter, I'm going to tell you something, they're not used to seeing that kind of thing. And the virtue of Jesus comes out in those situations. So, what sort of difference do these mighty works actually make? I mean, in the end, 
Aren't we just letting ourselves get run over by somebody? Aren't we being taken advantage of? To answer those questions, I would direct you to our team members and ask them about last night. Did they feel run over? Did they feel taken advantage of or abused? Maybe at first. Right, Charity? But then, when virtue comes forth, we see that once we stop considering ourselves and start considering those around us, even the enemies, the cursers, the abusers, the smiters, the takers, we find our hearts changing. And now we gladly receive the vexation as an invitation to offer virtue. That's life changing. And we lived that last night. And we thank God for it. By the way, verse 32 through 36 will show you the vast difference between the virtue of Jesus working through us and the virtue of our very best self. Because we can do some good things in ourselves, right? But it is totally different when Jesus' virtue is at work. And the single most qualifying attribute is in verse 36. It's mercy. Mercy. Mercy is the opposite of everything about our human nature. You're going to walk on me? Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you. And then they commence to tell each other what they're going to do to them. And nobody ever did it. I'm glad they didn't. I didn't want to see blood. But mercy changes things. Mercy changes things. I believe every one of us who were caught in the mob last night would have to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to bring virtue to the vexed. And you'll have to talk to everybody about their experiences and get it. And, and, uh, and you'll know two things. You'll know I don't ever want to go there. <laughs> but, but if God wills it and he gives me the virtue, I'll gladly do it anytime. Well, friends, that brings the message today to a close. I hope that you have learned a little bit from some of our experience, and, and we would absolutely welcome you to reach out to us at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. If you'd like maybe some more context or uh, want uh, to chat some about the experiences and things like that, we would love to hear from you, love to be able to offer some additional perspective because I can speak for my own personal life. Everything that Pastor Mike just highlighted uh, over the last couple of days in this sermon, I lived, I experienced, and it is absolutely true. There is a way to experience the virtue of Christ amongst the crowd of the vexed. And to live that way, to live in that hope, and, and to stay mindful of these things is a great way to live. And so we hope that this has been a blessing to you, that you have received some encouragement from it. But we look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on another edition of Daybreak Devotions. Have a wonderful remainder of your day. We'll see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.